0: SunCast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. SunCast is also brought to you by Trina Solar.
1: The companies that are going to have long-term traction are going to need to bring their marketing discipline up to the same level as, say, their installation or software or, you know, whatever that other part is that they've been working from in the market.
0: Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is SunCast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs who are building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Today is episode 104, and we finally, finally have another powerful female voice in the Suncast conversation. Today, my guest is marketing maven Glenna Wiseman of Identity 3, where she delivers vibrant marketing and has fueled growth in startups to divisions of Fortune 500 organizations. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Glenna Wiseman has been an executive marketing professional in the solar industry since 2007. Her expertise includes working with companies along the supply chain, from manufacturing to deployment, O&M, local, domestic, and international. She has worked with financing entities and she's worked with installers. She's pretty much done it all. And she's helped fuel the growth of startups from tiny companies to Fortune 500s, names that you might recognize in the industry, probably some names that you will recognize some day here in the future if Glenna's got anything to do with it. Glenna, welcome to Suncast.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Nico.
0: Fantastic. I have been a fan of yours from afar, simply from reading some of the things that you've put out into our world. You are and have been for some time an influencer in our industry, and I'm grateful to get a chance to spend some time with you. Glenna, if you've listened to Suncast before, then you know we like to start out by looking at how you kind of got to where you are today. The question I usually ask is something about your first foray into solar, but I'd like to unpack a little bit that you have a bit of a rare experience in the solar industry or or in marketing generally. You are that potentially rare individual who has spent an incredible amount of time marketing could you give us an idea of how you got into your first sales role
1: business development that's the term there biz you go. dev you know i've been somebody who's been sort of entrepreneurial my whole career and As I started moving closer into, okay, I'm going to have companies and I'm going to do my own thing. And I started understanding that in order for one to pay the rent, one had to close deals. And so I started understanding what was involved in nurturing a client relationship. So business development for me really focuses, um, and it is a hat that I wear in my own company right now, it focuses on understanding what clients need. And what they're looking for, and how to shape a set of deliverables that will work for them and that will work for whatever team you're working for. So that's kind of how I got started on weaving business development slash sales into my uh, toolkit.
0: Yeah. And you've had the fortune of being in California through the, we'll call it it's called the tech boom. You know, one of the things that stands out to me that I really want to point out and maybe discuss a little bit before we get into your experience in solar is that. Way back at the beginning of this century, makes it sound like it's uh, a long time ago, but, uh, you know, some 18 years ago before the idea of smart home had any connotations around devices per se, you started a company called Home Tech Works that focused on smart home integration. What sort of offering did Home Tech Works bring to the California home market?
1: You know, way before the Internet of Things Way before IoT started, there was this idea and this vision that what high-end homeowners had in their homes in order to connect the various systems into an integrated whole could be adopted on a more track home basis. Now, I'll buy, mm. you know, higher-end track homes, but still, that you could take integrative systems like security and internet and entertainment and lighting control and all of these different elements. And you could weave those together into a system that had a touchpad that someone could control. And so this was an adventure that I had no idea about when I first (laughs) got into it, but I understood the potential. I understood the trend. I understood that we were going to go there. Now, we were very, very successful in what we did. We did hundreds of homes. I sat with hundreds of customers, homeowners, and helping them to understand how these systems work together from a lifestyle point of view. Because I was not the tech expert in this team, I, need, I had a tech expert that was part of our management team, ownership team. I understood that in order for us to sell, in order for us to meet the needs of those homeowners, we needed to understand how they were going to live in the home and then translate the available systems into a package that would work for them. It was a lot of fun.
0: Now, before that, and you spent seven years doing that, which is remarkable for any company. The average company goes out of business in three years and you were the president and co-founder. So kudos for having a firm that you co-founded that lasted seven years. But Before that... I'd really love from an entrepreneurial perspective, you spent 13, almost 14 years as the president and co-founder of a different type of company focused on marketing and sales consulting. And I'm trying to paint a picture here for folks to understand your broad experience. Can we talk about Topbox a little bit before Home Tech Works and what that was about and perhaps the types of clients that you guys cater to and served that led you into the Home Tech Works side of uh, our idea?
1: You know, let's go back to some ancient history here, Nico. (laughs) It feels like ancient when every week in the solar industry is kind of like a month. Um, You know, so again, I have this propensity to kind of gather or attract, magnetize a team around me that we end up doing some really cool stuff together. And I've had this desire to make an impact on the environmental level for a long time. And also, I've been a single mom. So, for the parents out there, whether single or not, who actually want to know their kids and want to have, you know, a lot of interaction with their children, even that, but that isn't always easy. I made choices all throughout my career that related to: I have this kid. I chose to have this kid, and I'm so excited to have him. And the relationship that brought him into the world wasn't the right one for me to stay with for many reasons, which we won't go into on in this podcast. <laughs> And it's all good. It's all good. So there's a number of factors here. One is I like working in teams. Two, I like working pushing the envelope on things that I care about, like the environment. And three, there's this kind of thing that happens with me that relates to marketing and sales. So that works all together well. Topox was really the platform of folks that I was working with at the time that led to, we see this trend in smart homes and we need to find an expert. So we went after a subject matter expert and we got him involved in the company. And that company would still be going if there wasn't something called the Great Recession. So multimedia was all about industrial show business for business. So we did a lot of big events and worked with major brands to help them roll out products and do major events. And I was in LA and I was, you know, in that whole entertainment thing and having a good time. And I won't talk to you about how much of a good time I was having (laughs) because my kid might listen to this. So there we go. Um, And that led to this sort of awareness around all of that. And then when I was starting, when I worked on TopBox, I worked with, this is really ancient history, Mark Burnett, of yeah. survivor. He had an event that he was doing that I helped him with the prime sports introduction. And so that was sort of, so more entertainment. And then there was a BAFTA connection, so more entertainment. So we were thinking in the entertainment zone. We were in the headset of what was happening with people with entertainment. And we were thinking about large screen film, and we were doing all of this stuff within that milieu. And so, the whole idea of where is this going? Where is this going? This is going into the home. This is going into, I'm going to be able to access the internet, and I'm going to be able to stream video, and I'm going to be able to do all of these things. And like, oh, well, we got to be part of that trend. So, there is a path. And that path took us to, we need a subject matter expert, and we need Figure out how to make this work. So we built a business plan. We got it all together and started it from my living room in Playa del Rey at the time. And at one point, there was so many desks that there was the tiny little area downstairs for my son and I. And we had people on the phones on either side of the townhouse, and people on the phones inside, and it was wild and crazy and wonderful. So that there you fantastic. go.
0: Fantastic. That's a great story. Thanks, uh, as as you noted, to the global financial crisis. Many companies had to be wound down for for reasons that we don't even really need to spend a whole lot of time on here. But I'm curious, the next step for you was a then virtually unknown company that within the California market, at least, is quite a pioneer and very well-known, a company called Helio Power. Tell me how you met those guys.
1: You know, when you dissolve a company, it ain't fun. And um, I had a kid, a dog, and, you know, a house, and I still had this vision and mantra that I was going to be as present as possible as a mom. And so what I did was I set out in the midst of, you know, in the aftermath of dissolving one company, I set out and said, okay, and you know, here's a great tip. I mean, people so often look only to the online ways of finding a job, but guess what? There's other ways to do it. You can look in a geographic parameter. So I looked, okay, what in a drivable distance, if I had to show up every day in a, to an office, what's around me that fits into what I feel is important in my life? And we had done a lot of work around lighting control and energy use in our smart home company. And so I looked at, you know, well, what about solar? Maybe there's a solar company that's close by. Mm-hmm. And I started calling and harassing Heliopower. <laughs> They were the closest ones that I could find, and they didn't have a marketing lead that I could find. And so, I got a hold of Mo Russo, and I said, Mo, what can I do here? How can we work together? Well, they had just been acquired by Sierra Nevada Solar, headed by Ian Rogoff, and so they had new VC in, and Mo had been handling all the marketing sort of as he was handling it. And so, I didn't know much about the solar industry, so here's another tip for anyone looking for a job, get busy and figure out what their sector's about. Who are the leaders in the sector? What's going on in this sector? You know, who are their competition? What's the opportunity if you join them that you could bring to the table? I spent Thanksgiving weekend 2007 doing a deep dive into who are the players in the market industry, coming up with a PowerPoint presentation that ranked the top 10 solar companies that related to Helio Power. And some of it I got a little rough around the edges, but that's what I walked in with in my job interview. So that helped me both to understand where they sat in the market, what were the opportunities, what was the value add that I could bring to their team, not just what was going my salary going to be. I mean, you know, folks, don't ask what the salary is going to be. Talk about what your value add is going to be. Talk about the opportunities that you see for them and how you're aligned with what they're doing. Anyway, just interjecting a little coaching in here. I
0: appreciate that. Very, very helpful. Was there anything in particular? So you landed the job at Helio Power in a time where the solar industry was just beginning to boom. I I started my solar company in 2006. 2007 was the, for those listeners who uh, may be of a different generation, as we mentioned recently the California Solar Initiative was launched in 2007. So it's a great time to be in solar in California. It was a boom time. I mean, it was hard to mess up in 2007, to be honest, unless you just didn't get your cash right. <laughs> if, you, if you had anybody on your team that understood finances, even in the global financial crisis, like there was so much happening in California. How did you decide where Helio would focus?
1: Well, Helio Power had different operating divisions. So my first emphasis was, what's going on with the marketing? Let's get it organized. Let's track marketing activities to spend and ROI. Let's figure out what we're paying for lead. Let you know. I mean, so basically the first level of activity was around organizing into a true marketing department foundation.
0: I would like to spend some time there because it occurs to me, a lot of companies in the solar industry and companies that would be in the solar industry still have this problem. 11 years later, what advice do you have for founders and entrepreneurs who might be bringing on a Glenna Wiseman, either through Identity 3 or trying to hire that person? Where's that person? If Let's say there's that someone listening to this today is considering taking on this role either for their own company or they want to go out and be this for another company. Would you help break down what the maybe three to four things are that you want to really focus on? And, and we'll think about it in 2018 terms from that perspective.
1: I think that's an excellent question, and one of the things that I see that's really hard for engineers and folks that start these companies that are basically, you know, I would never try to do their job, you know, so I'm there to bring the marketing expertise to the equation. Uh, One of the things that I would say is try not to get impatient with the development of foundational pieces that will save you time and money and will focus all of your identity work and your marketing work in the future.
0: Yeah. Are you referring to collateral?
1: I'm referring to, and um, Amy Tuck of Corbet Creative um, is my collaborating colleague. We're basically attached to HIP in this industry. (laughs) We work really well together. We've got a diagram where we show all of the foundational pieces sort of in the soil of what we envision as a tree in terms of marketing or of all the things that are visually seen. So there are a lot of foundational pieces And if you think about the roots of a tree, I know it's a simple analogy, but the roots of the tree are in circumference and depth as large as the part that you see. And yet, without that, the tree would not stand. So, if you think about foundational pieces like a competitive landscape review and business opportunities report, a really robust style and brand guide, really articulating your voice of how you're going to speak to the market and why customer profile development who you're talking to and why you're talking to them and what are their challenges and how do you meet those challenges, those kinds of foundational pieces, lots of folks in the industry, not all of them, but some of them get impatient or don't address those. And for example, a brand and style guide can save you a lot of money. And if you go out there and deal with a whole bunch of subcontractors and you hand them this thing and say, do everything you're doing, buy this book, Mm -hmm. then you're going to save a whole lot of time and money and you're going to make sure that your brand is consistently envisioned and discussed in the market in the terms and images and graphic approach that you want. Right. So, Energy Trust of Oregon, we did a series related to reducing the cost of customer acquisition. And this was a series of webinars and curriculum that was related to installers. And we went through sort of an MBA in marketing in six months. And we put all those materials on HeatSpring. And so a lot of that foundational work can be tracked there. You can find it on my website too. That's the advice that I would have for folks is that level of work, often there's not patience for or understanding that you want to go too quickly to tactical without the strategic. And the strategy like anything else in life, setting your intention, setting your mantra, understanding your mission, understanding why you're here, you know, why you're doing it is really important.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly want to link to the Energy Trust of Oregon. I read uh, some of the stuff you put together there uh, and it is on his Heatspring, as you mentioned. It's fantastic. Uh, That's a little bit of what I was alluding to previously that, uh, you know, you've got a, you've just got a canon of work around marketing for solar companies in particular that, folks really should check out. We'll make sure we link to those in the show notes. I wonder, was there anything that in particular you knew would be a key differentiator or focus of your services with HelioPower?
1: Well, the positioning for HelioPower at the time was energy solutions, was an integrated suite of energy solutions. I think they were potentially a little ahead of their time with that approach. And it gave us a number of levers to go after different segments of the market, One thing that we did there that hadn't been done so much up until then was the use of solar dedication events. We did some very comprehensive events for brands like Porsche and Bob's Big Boy and Ronald McDonald House in San Diego and, I mean, just a whole bunch of names. The understanding that those could be used both from a marketing and a PR point of view were really important. And so, I think that that really helped us. Yeah, it occurs to me, a lot of
0: folks in our industry have looked at solar dedication events as a way to satisfy their sort of final obligation to the client and say, hey, look, we did this project for you and don't necessarily leverage that moment in time in a way that helps get them new customers, which is what marketing ought to be about. How do you coach your clients? In particular, let's just use this as one example around solar dedication events on how to leverage that to really be a marketing opportunity to get new clients.
1: Well, first of all, you need to broaden your idea or your vision of what those events are. Yes, of course, there are marketing results for the company paying the majority of the bill related to said event. But if you expand your vision on this to think of it as a campaign, and if you think of a campaign that has different stakeholders, and those different stakeholders have objectives, and if you understand what those objectives are, then you can help to Expand the tent, if you will, in order to include all of those. And typically, the stakeholders include a utility or a co-op or a muni. Right? Um, it can also include a corporate. More and more, we're seeing the corporates get involved and you know, that's a particular angle on this, that the corporates now, when uh, my colleague, I mentioned Amy, she went up to Sustainable Brands in Vancouver and there was a session on corporates and renewable energy. And one of the things they said was, and this was just a few weeks ago, we want to be involved in these solar dedications. If we're the off taker, Or if we have a major stake in this solar plant, we want to be involved because it helps us to show that we're involved in the renewable energy revolution and that that we're involved in these markets that are opening up to us and we want to be involved. So the idea here is to look at it from the point of view of expanding the tent, making sure you understand who are all the stakeholders involved, what are their points of view and what do they need to realize? Bring the marketing team members of all of those entities together so that you can work all of these details out and then look at it as a from a public relations, social media, lead generation point of view, because all of those tactical areas can be deployed in a solar dedication event. And it can be deployed quite well in our digital world in which so much is driven by social media. And it can also tell the story of that solar installation from many different points of view. So it's exciting kind of arena. And we just did this for Origus Energy, where we did the Massachusetts first solar plus storage event. And we created a theme that was driven by the client's desire to focus on the community of people that made all of this happen. Not only their subscribers, but all of the entities that were involved in the installation and the policy and all of this. So it was really great, even though it was freezing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, freezing in Massachusetts in March, that's understandable. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that one up. And thank you for putting us in touch with Joshua or at Orgis. Because we're recording these far out now, I don't know whether this will come out right before or right after that, but they'll be pretty close in line. So if we haven't released it yet, keep your ears out for a piece specifically highlighting that Solar Plus Storage project in Sterling, Mass, that... uh, Glenna and the Identity 3 team helped Origins with. Which brings me to Identity 3, getting out of the uh, the past and into the present. Glenna, would you help us understand Identity 3 and how you fit into the solar and perhaps broader markets as a, as a marketing specialist?
1: Excellent. So um, if you're familiar with Simon Sinek's work, Start With Why, my why is to amplify the identity and success of companies that pursue the three Ps, people, planet, and profit. I do this with vibrant strategic marketing, thus the three of Identity 3. So this is an evolving statement around the start with why, because if anyone is familiar with that work, identifying your why, both personally and from a corporate point of view, is a powerful process that also is ongoing. I
0: love that, Glenn. I love that you do uh, start with why. And a lot of executives are sitting there today asking themselves, why? Not only why, but how? Am I going to start a marketing program at all. I've got a small company, maybe I'm profitable, but how can someone perhaps work through that question with you at Identity3? Could you explain how you come alongside executives and help them work through these questions?
1: Sure. And I think one of the things that's happening, which happens to all emerging markets, which is a maturation process, And within that maturation process, the companies that are going to survive in the market and solar is no different, given the ups and downs of the solar coaster, it's still no different than other maturation cycles within evolving industry sectors, which means that the companies that are going to have long-term traction are going to need to bring their marketing discipline up to the same level as, say, their installation or software or, you know, whatever that other part is that they've been working from in the market they're going to need to bring their marketing up to the same speed so that they have a table, if you will, that has equal number of legs under it and they can move forward from a strong basis. So first of all, I would say that for companies that don't have a marketing lead and want to talk about it, you really need to do some soul searching. You really need to understand, are you really dedicated to the fact that you're going to need to do foundational work on your company in terms of standardizing your brand and your look and feel in the market? Are you really willing to put some money behind that and some time? Marketing is not done in a vacuum. Marketing and I have sat on various different management teams, including some of my own. And in order for you to have a successful marketing campaign, you need to understand how it impacts ops. How does it impact sales? Where does it sit in the sales cycles that you already understand? So you've got to make sure that you have a cross-functional understanding and collaboration in order to make marketing successful.
0: I completely agree with you, Glenn. I think that there's a lot of times where not only marketing synergy isn't had at an executive level, just making sure that stakeholders are engaged, but there's almost no interaction between the marketing and the sales teams. They're at odds and they don't don't help one another. I would love to know though, just thinking at a macro level, you've been doing this for so long within the solar industry. Are there things that you see now as marketing strategies that are working? And I'd say conversely, are there things that people still do that they probably should stop doing?
1: Well, first I want to pick up on what you just said about marketing and sales, because in the best case scenario, in my opinion, Marketing and sales should have a creative tension between them. There should be an opportunity to kind of, you know, collaborate, but each part of the organization should be pushing for their own points of view because within that creative tension, the best kinds of results can occur. I am not a believer in a management team in which configuration, in which marketing and sales is a hat that the same folks wear. Because when marketing and sales are under this in the same title text... What happens is sales always wins out because sales is immediate, sales is driving business. And when you separate the two within the organization, then you have two distinct disciplines, which are really different they support each other, but they're different. And the marketing part of it can work toward identifying who the customers are, how are you going to activate the channels to get to them? What's the kind of content that you want to develop that is really worthwhile and will create thought leadership and will empower leads and engagement on the customer side? And then the sales folks will have qualified leads that they can then move forward with in terms of the market, in terms of biz dev. So, that's kind of From my point of view and having seen lots of different configurations of this, both in the industry and before, I think that's the best way to approach it. I'm sure there'll be people who will disagree. Let's hear your voices.
0: I completely agree, by the way. I I like the idea of making sure that when it comes to priorities for money and time, marketing isn't fighting with sales uh, in an area that disqualifies one for the other. That said, as you and I both have been in the position of driving sales, without sales there is no marketing and that unfortunately becomes the becomes the winning theme as you so rightly mentioned that you, you can have a marketing team that's doing great but if you don't have a sales team that's trained to know what to do with the work that marketing does then uh you then need it's, both yeah yeah exactly absolutely i know You're listening to this episode because you're tired of doing things the old way and looking for a new approach. And that is precisely why my friends at CPS America, aka Chint Power Systems, have agreed to help make this fresh content possible for you. See, they believe in the power of change and the importance of trying something before others catch on. They are the U.S. market share leader of three-phase string inverters, pioneering that approach since before it was cool. With over two gigawatts shipped in America... Chint's feature rich, high performance inverters and its nimble service team are ahead of the pack, just like you. If you'd like to find out what CPS can do for your CNI and utility business, reach out to me for an intro, nico at mysuncast.com, or you can reach out to them directly and just let them know you heard it here on Suncast. So I guess one of the questions I'd reiterate is, do you see stuff that maybe in 2007, Helio Power, Sungevity, SolarCity were doing that folks are still trying to execute on today and it just doesn't fit? And and are there strategies that people should have been focused on all along that they've missed?
1: In the early days of all of this, the Google PPC world was a lot less competitive. And uh, we, we were able to do some really great things with uh, that that um, were cost-effective at the time. I will say that there is a role for Google AdWords and PPC, it has to be very strategic, tightly focused, aligned with really compelling content and integrative of other kinds of content and touch points with the customer. What I see happening is sort of a blunt force approach a lot of times um, where you're leaving one Type of touch point off the table, and I'm speaking of B2C here, and you're not necessarily taking an integrative approach that would enable you to influence and reach out and provide content. Now, along that B2C approach, I, I have to pick up this drum. This drum is marketing solar to women. Oh, my goodness! For all of you who know me, you know it, that I've been pounding on this drum for a while, and I still don't see that we've got an answer to this in the industry. Women influence, make 80% of the household decisions. There's bucket loads of data related to this. When I used to sit with homeowners in my smart home days, a couple would walk in and you would have, they would be making choices of options and I was up against the granite and the fancy hardwood and I needed to speak about lifestyle and how that, how that family was going to live in the home and the predominantly, not always, but the predominant voice around lifestyle and security and all the things I was selling was the woman. And I know it's sort of generalizing and it's not always true, but the guy would be more involved in the technology and the whiz bang and all of this stuff. Well, the industry needs to speak both to both sets of the homeowner dynamic. And that's overgeneralization. I get it. But this is an opportunity that I continue to see the industry isn't doing as well as we could.
0: And I think you're right that there's not enough gender equity across the board in our industry, and that makes its way, unfortunately, into the marketing strategies. But we will, at least for the purposes of today's conversation, leave it at that. We both agree that there should be way more focus, especially within the residential sector, engaging as a lead gen strategy, as a pull-through strategy, The female, not necessarily the male voice in the conversation. We're going to move into a segment I call Hot or Hype. And I'll name a specific topic and you can give me 30 to 60 seconds on whether or not you think it's hot or not and why. And we'll start with distributed generation, energy storage.
1: Core to the evolution of the grid. Could not be hotter. Um, There are lots of different, uh, oh, hashtags, baby hashtags (laughs) around this smart grid, smart inverters, distributed energy, um, digital grid, digitalization, you got it, there's a whole bunch of stuff around it. And um, much of it on the non-utility scale side is emanating out of IEEE 1547, and there's a small percentage of that protocol that relates to interconnectivity and interoperability, interoperability, Mm, (laughs) which is data communications, And I just started working recently in the last few weeks with SunSpec Alliance. SunSpec Alliance is core to the compliance of Rule 21. And this is huge. This is how the industry is going to revolutionize into a modern internet energy grid.
0: All right, let's move on to the next topic for hot or hype, microgrids.
1: Microgrids are hot as well. A little more complicated to deploy, in my opinion, from what I understand. I haven't dived as deep into that one as I have other areas of the industry, absolutely another way to equalize and create more opportunity for distributed energy generation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed. It's
1: just configured a little differently.
0: It sure is. Well, speaking of different grid configuration, what do you think? Hot or hype? Electric vehicle grid integration.
1: Okay. Electrical vehicle grid integration. Well, we all know EVs are hot hot, hot, and hotter. Mm -hmm. Hot beyond anything that one could have imagined in terms of a disruptive technology. They're driving the whole lithium-ion battery. They're driving energy storage. They're driving energy storage costs down, hands down, hot over there. Grid integration. It's not fully known yet what and how EVs and their role as repositories for energy and distribution of energy um, onto the grid are known. They're warmish, I would say, from the point of view of they are part of the smart grid. They're part of where we're going in terms of an intelligent energy grid, and, and we're going to get there.
0: And for our last hot or hype, content marketing for solar lead generation.
1: <laughs> Here's the deal. Consumers, including B2B, uh, including every sector of the industry, is all, they're all self-service They all search themselves. They all do their own research. They all Mm -hmm. look to the internet. If you are not on the internet, it's like you do not have a business. Content marketing is evolving. It continues to get more and more robust. It continues to give us more as marketers, more opportunity to harvest data and understand the buyer journey. Uh, And there's tons of tools out there in marketing automation that we could talk about all day long, which we won't. Content marketing is hot. It's going to continue to be a staple uh, in the arsenal of any sharp marketer. The only thing that people need to understand, and I'm talking to you business owners out there who think that you're going to pull the plug on a blog and, oh boy, the leads are going to flow in. No, no. You have to develop a relationship with that consumer. You have to have strong SEO. You have to optimize your content marketing with other tactical deployment techniques. So there's my answer. It wasn't short.
0: (laughs) I don't mind. Where do you look for inspiration, Glenna?
1: For anyone who's been on the solar coaster for a while, and wow, SPI coming up in September is a decade of going to SPI. Oh my God, It's it's just amazing. Meditation. And my spiritual discipline is really important to me. And this kind of mindful, other people call it mindfulness, clearing the mind, giving space in the mind and the heart for new ideas to come forth. It's amazing the creative ideas that come forth. I can't claim them all on my own. And I have to say that in a SIA Women in Solar event, oh, maybe last year or so, uh, Lynn Jurek, a wonderful person and someone that I know in the industry from the very beginning of her company, she talked about mindfulness and meditation as well in a public forum. And I was really happy to see that because this is a stressful industry. If you can pull back and give yourself some space every day to sit in an aware state and give yourself that kind of cocoon of happiness then you can be more clear-minded in what you need to employ and other ideas will come to you that you might not have thought about. So it's really core for me.
0: As you think about the influences similar to mindfulness in your life and career, are there any key lessons or takeaways from important mentors that have helped you get to where you are?
1: Don't take everything personally, people. It isn't personal most of the time. You can't influence what other people think about you. So now we're into sort of broad-based coaching. You can't you can't influence what other people think about you. Own 100% of 50%. In other words, you've got a lane. You are 50% responsible for any interaction. Own that fully and let those that other half be. Mm. Doesn't mean don't be responsive. It just means people just don't take it so personally. Do everything you can to be the best that you can be. And stay aware for clues of how you can make a contribution.
0: We talked a little before we started recording about family. Uh, and I thought you said something that was really pressing and I'd like to include here that there was a point in time where you realized that you really wanted to tailor your life around your family, not your career, and began to tailor your work in such a way to support the lifestyle and the life that you wanted. Not in the way of a lifestyle entrepreneur of like, I'd rather be out surfing, but I got to make money. Rather... I understand why I'm doing all of this. Can we talk a bit about that?
1: There are moments in our lives in which we're at a crossroads. And the decisions that we make in that moment influences the rest of our lives. And I am a great believer in the journey. And at 35, after being told that I would not have children, I found myself having one. And I made a core decision at that point. A not to bend to influence of anyone else that would have pushed me into an alliance with the co-baby maker to be married to that person because that wasn't the right choice. Sometimes we have to make courageous choices, and sometimes we're graced because we don't know how hard it's going to be after it. <laughs> um, and then yeah. the second thing is, is that that we can we can make decisions that look unconventional. We can make decisions that aren't necessarily what the status quo is doing. And I would encourage your listeners, uh, particularly those of you that are a little on the more younger side, stay in tune with your own heart. Stay in tune with your own intuition. Follow your own guidance because we all have that voice within us. And when we do that, instead of listening to the chatter outside, instead of listen and there's a lot of it these days, listening to that chatter, then when we walk in that authenticity, then we have the best results. It won't necessarily be the easiest path, but it will be the most fulfilling. And making the decision to have my son and to raise him on my own and to form my business life around what he needed did not mean that I was working less. You know about this, Nico. It doesn't mean you're working less. It just means you're there when the kid gets home from school and is upset by something. That's right. Those are precious, precious moments and no matter how exciting the solar industry is, and it is, and it's very fulfilling on many, many levels, nothing replaces that. Nothing replaces that.
0: I love that. I'm so inspired by that. Yeah. It's something that I made a conscious decision. Suncast is the outcropping of me seeking to find a way to be home for breakfast with my kids. Now I'm getting choked up.
1: (laughs) In the long run, the... Quote, sacrifice financially for me for those early days will more than be made up. I trust that implicitly. And sometimes we make choices that are more related to family and heart than bank accounts. And there's nothing wrong with having a healthy bank account, people. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We need to be profitable. We cannot get anywhere. We can't even pay for marketing if we're not profitable. So that's all really important. Um, and I don't, this is not a condemnation for people who make other decisions. It, it's just more about take a moment, take time, mm-hmm. understand what your heart wants.
0: Glenna, my listeners know that I believe that readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And I'd love to hear from you if you could craft or curate for yourself as a recent college grad, a particular curriculum of reading, what might that include?
1: Well, given that I have a recent college grad in my family, ooh, isn't that nice. exciting? <laughs> ah! Namely, my kid. Um, I would say read The Surrender Experiment, Michael Singer. Read Michael Singer's work, both of his books. What's the other one, Nico?
0: Oh, I can't um, remember the name of it, but it's um,
1: The Surrender Experience and The
0: Untethered Soul is the. Is untethered the first one. Soul.
1: Read the Untethered Soul. Uh, go back and read Pablo Coelho's book, The Alchemist.
0: Yeah, Pablo Coelho, The Alchemist was a was a key.
1: Yep, read the, Read mind. those. If you read those three books, which you could do in a weekend, probably. Now, whether how much you contemplate them is a different issue. I would also read Simon Sinek's book. Uh, Start with Why. Of course. Because that is kind of the same sort of tone, but from a corporate point of view. Interesting to look at it that way, actually. Um, so I would start with those. And if anyone else wants more, they can shoot me an email. Perfect.
0: <laughs> well, along those lines, if folks do want to reach out to you, how would they make that happen?
1: I love LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm there. Glenna Wiseman at identity3.com, the number three dot com. Um, and I'm at G. Wiseman at identity3.com. And I've had the privilege of working with Electrice on the O&M side, uh, Origis, and now Sunspec Alliance as core clients and lots of others. But I really appreciate because long-term relationships are important. They certainly and so are. I would be remiss in not mentioning thank you to my sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I love that plug. <laughs> yep. It's an
1: unabashed plug for my sponsors.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. I mean, that talk about a mindset shift as a service provider. Think about it that way. You know, they sponsor. My, my clients sponsor my life in many ways. My sponsors of Suncast help make it possible. You know, I, I, I'll take a minute to say thank you to the Suncast tribe members, those who have made possible an opportunity for me to hang out with Glenna today. Well, Glenna, before we go, let's end with what I call a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening in the market that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's
1: in your crystal ball? Smart grid, mm-hmm. digital grid, the digitalization of the grid. Lots of people are tracking it, but it's going to have a profound effect in our markets. And if the California compliance environment doesn't move forward before the February 22nd, 2019 deadline, it's not going to be pretty. This is a major opportunity to create new business, to move the industry forward in the internet age, and um, I'm excited to be part of it.
0: Well, as that unfolds, we'll certainly still be around here by February 22nd, 2019, catching all of that on SunCast, Glenna Wiseman, my identity 3. Thank you for taking some time to be on Suncast. What a wealth of information. You got it. Well, that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warrior, but we can continue hanging out through the rest of the week online and in my Solar Tribe community. If you want more, join hundreds of other solar warriors, subscribe to my email list at mysuncast.com. Hey, if you're away from your computer, you can just text the word suncast to 345345. That's S U N C A S T on your phone to the number 345345 and you'll be added to that list. You'll also get our one-page webinar guide as my free gift to you. And hey, are you interested in a little snippet from the next
1: episode? We have to move to a place in our business where we're creating our own exclusive leads. And the way to do that is to let people know what you do.
0: That was a clip from the upcoming Tactical Tuesday with Mike Wolpert of Social Jumpstart. We'll explore video marketing and how to use lead magnets. So don't miss out. Listen, while I've still got your attention, I just want to say thank you once again. If you're still listening, that tells me that you really do enjoy what we're bringing to your earwaves here. And if that's true, would you please consider supporting Suncast, just like my friends over at NAC and so many others who've joined the Suncast Energy Tribe? I'm grateful to you if you already joined, and every week we are getting new members. You can join them, just go to mysuncast.com forward slash member to see what else being in the Suncast Tribe means. And I look forward to formally welcoming you as well, my friend. And thanks again for showing up. It's half the battle.